0: Hello there, and welcome to Not The Farmer's Wife podcast. I'm CJ Steedman, and I'm definitely not the farmer's wife. I am a mum, a partner, a full-time off-farm worker, and enthusiastically a lady farmer. On our farm, Mojo Homestead, we grow chickens, goats, cows, and bees. We practise regenerative agriculture and holistic management. If, like me, you love all things farming and homesteading, and if you'd like to learn from the female farmer's perspective then I'd love to have you along for the ride. So let's get farming. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Not the Farmer's Wife. I'm CJ and this week I have a special guest. Not really special. Oh, special, <laughs> special in certain ways. Special. His mum had him tested. <laughs> uh, the Handy is here with me today uh, because we're discussing a topic that most of you would be aware, the Handy Helper, helps me out quite a bit with and that is today's topic is raising meat birds now before we start discussing I just want to remind everybody that uh, we've got our next backyard chicken keeping course coming up in November uh, second week in November so I think I think it opens on the 3rd of November the registrations Uh, so if you're not on the wait list for that already go to www.mojohomestead.net backslash or forward slash because I always fuck it up seven must knows seven must knows will get you to your backyard chicken keeping guide which has seven things that you really need to consider before you get backyard chickens Um, and you can go and download that and that will get you onto the wait list if you're not interested in chickens but you want to be on my wait list anyway and get onto my newsletter list you can go to www.mojohomestead.net back or forward slash whichever one it is uh, bees 101 so that's just b e e 101 fuck i'm struggling today it's been a long day already can i just say that we've had a big morning um, so you can go to that one and you will get a uh, backyard beekeeping guide um, if you're not interested in chickens uh, but that will get you on the list for anything that i've got coming out and my newsletter once a week that you'll get Uh, And as always if you can think of anybody who would love to listen to this podcast just to get something out of it By all means uh, send them over to uh, Not The Farmer's Wife on whichever podcast system they like listening on And tell them to listen in and they can follow me at Mojo Homestead or Not The Farmer's Wife on any of the socials Anyway now on to today's episode which is very close to our heart today isn't it Handy Helper Mm. (laughs)
1: <laughs> heart, yeah definitely
0: heart and hands, hands and, and backs and yeah. <laughs> so uh we have just come back inside to record this podcast after dispatching 13
1: 13 yeah
0: 13 roosters that were excess to our stock so um last year we uh went up to sydney to a hatchery and bought what we thought were sexed birds yeah. <laughs> and it was about this time last year actually so these ones were about a year old which is probably a bit longer than we should have left them but we just never got round to it um and we bought a whole bunch of what we thought were sexed birds but we did get given a few extras and so we thought there were going to be some roosters in there anyway and we ended up with thirteen roosters out of our hatching egg girls. Well,
1: there was more. There was more, but we had a fox.
0: More. We had a slight fox issue for a couple of weeks. Um, Luna wasn't in the paddock around them um, at one point, and while she wasn't in there all the time, we were giving her more days off than what she gets now, uh, and we had a little bit of a fox problem. So we lost yeah, a couple. We lost a couple. Yeah. But what we wanted to talk about was the idea of raising meat birds. And for a lot of people, they just assume that meat birds could only ever be raised in a, in a large, um, either factory farm setting, which is not the ideal, um, in my or the handy helper's opinion, um, or at least on, you know, 10, 20 acres, that kind of thing. But realistically, there's absolutely no reason why somebody couldn't raise their own meat birds, not only on a one acre block, but realistically, even in a backyard setting. Good size
1: backyard. You could do it without a problem.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's they're they're not meat birds. Proper meat birds. Not the the ones that we dispatched this morning were not uh, meat birds. They were male versions of our laying birds. So male versions of um, what are they called? Eyes Browns. That type of like the <laughs> type Browns, of yeah, yeah the I the, suppose. the the primary egg laying birds. Um, and look, they you know they have still had a lot of meat on them. They are big birds, big. but they were not. Like our meat birds that we had last year, were no, we?
1: definitely not? They're um, they were a lot bigger, I'll give them that. Um, bigger ruthless. in height, but bigger not height. but not
0: fat like breasty.
1: No, they're not not built for meat birds, no, no it's just the, built to make heaps of noise. That's the, it. The
0: birds that we got no. for our meat birds were um, called Cornish Cobs, which are in America you refer to them as Cornish Cross, Cross, or they're the same as the Red Rangers. I think the Red Rangers are a more they're a bird that's a better forager that does better on open pasture, and certainly if I could get my hands on some of those here in Australia, that'd be great in our environment here, mm. um, because we do like to raise ours out in the pasture. But um, you know, if 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 something like you know raising meat birds has ever occurred to you and you've thought, oh no, I'm I'm on a you know house block, how could I ever do that? Please don't discount the fact that you could do it. It really doesn't require a lot of space for meat birds, does it? No. Um, So the Cornish cobs, certainly, um, they were a bird that didn't take up a lot of space. Um, But one thing that you do need to consider before you would go into it is legal considerations. And we're going to discuss the right breeds for raising for meat. But one of those things you need to consider is that in most council environments, so in an urban environment where you would be in a normal house block, the council are not going to let you have roosters. And primarily roosters are what are used for meat because they grow bigger. Um, you know, you, you want to keep <laughs> your hens for laying and um, and primarily use your, your roosters for meat birds. Um, as OJ always says to me, you wouldn't want to be born male on the farm. Because no. <laughs> unless you're breeding quality, you're probably going to be eating quality. Um, so legal considerations, if you're in an urban environment, just check with your local council and see what their situation is, but probably more important than that is check with your neighbours, um, because your council likely, and I'm never suggesting anybody break the law, but... Your council are probably not going to know what you've got happening in your backyard.
1: You can get smart and you can get in on it with your neighbours.
0: Yeah. That's a great idea.
1: All have it in a chicken coop and <laughs> yeah. then share it.
0: Yeah. And let's face it, who doesn't want a antibiotic free, um, hormone free, pasture raised meat bird. You know, if you've, If you've not tried them, go to the local butcher and try and get a pasta-raised meat bird. Once you've eaten it, you'll be like, oh my God, why do people eat that other shit? It doesn't even taste like chicken to me. Hmm. um, Certainly the stuff that you would get at KFC or even every now and then when we're really tight on time, I'll go to Costco and buy a $6 chook from Costco. And they don't even taste like chicken, it's do disappointing they? disappointing sometimes, <laughs> it really is. They don't taste like chicken. So what we want to discuss first is, um, yeah, if you are thinking about doing it, by all means follow me on the socials because uh, you know, I do post stuff from time to time. But, um, oh, <laughs> of <brought> <laughs> Handy Help has just gone to open the oven door because we had a loaf of sourdough baking in the oven while we were talking. Um, so definitely follow me because we'll have little tips you know from time to time regarding meat birds because we're doing it on a regular basis now um but when it comes to choosing the right breed so handy helper and i was just talking about it before and we can't recall the cornish cobs ever crowing
1: no never and they never crowed it was really weird because i was expecting them to crow no and but they didn't
0: but but you know why they didn't handy helper because they weren't old enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Cornish cobs, the good bit about those kind of meat birds is you dispatch them before they get to full-grown yeah. rooster age. They don't. They never get to that most, age. Most
1: roosters get to laying age like a chalk.
0: Yeah, so it's like eighteen and weeks. start crowing. Yeah, eighteen weeks, and, and they're crowing. These girls
1: are done way before then.
0: And we left them a bit mm. late last time we because, did. if you remember right, we both had COVID. Yes, we did. <laughs> and yeah. we were supposed to dispatch them at eight weeks, and that didn't happen. I think we ended up it at about 10, ten or twelve. Ten weeks. It was ten and eleven, 11 weeks. So we did half one week and half the other week, mm. but. um they were big, juicy, plump birds at that age, and I was actually worried we'd left it too late and mm. they were going to start dropping dead of heart attacks um, because the thing with the Cornish cobs and crosses are, um, they're because they're designed to grow so quick and so fast, they actually sometimes outgrow their own organs. Yeah, they fall over. And they fall over and die mm. if you leave them too long and you haven't dispatched them. So choosing the right breed would definitely impact your ability to do it in an urban or a smaller suburban uh, semi-rural kind of setting where you're never going to have to worry about them crowing and therefore the neighbours are never going to get upset uh, because you will be dispatching these birds before they get to that crowing age. Um, Cornish crosses are also amazing in that they take very little space don't they? Yeah. And we'll discuss how we housed them later but what was the space dimensions that we had ours in?
1: Three metres by three metres square. Yeah out uh, of grass. And about 600 high.
0: Yeah so they they
1: don't fly yeah they just walk around on the grass all the time
0: and remember we were surprised how heavy they were in the breast yeah and that's why they don't fly to
1: pick them up yeah they couldn't dare
0: (laughs) they're not aerodynamically (laughs) designed to fly they were
1: just way too heavy um yeah the the breasts on them and the legs um, they were like um, 100 metre sprinters they were the legs we, were so muscly on them we did yeah. joke
0: about it didn't we that um, they it's it's like I think at one part, point Joel Salatin in a lot of his teachings he talks about he needs four legged chickens because so yeah. many people wanted to buy chicken legs yep. um, well in this case these birds were like double breasted birds weren't yeah, they, they were <laughs> double
1: breasted <laughs> the, the breasts um, were huge yeah they had legs like a bodybuilder they did they didn't really they they had the big, so big stumpy <laughs> legs
0: <laughs> <laughs> they were so yeah, any bird can be kept for meat and any bird can be raised for meat. But certainly if you're doing it in an urban environment, then having those kind of birds that mature super quick and get to the correct body weight for dispatching is going to make your life much, much easier. Um, our, like I say, the turnaround should have been eight weeks. So imagine having, you know, we had, I think we had 19 birds in our three by three metre house. Uh, yeah, it was nineteen. in Yeah, the we end. had nineteen in the end. Yeah, because we lo- we got twenty one and we lost two. We lost two as chicks. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. um, so we had nineteen in a three by three meter, and they were fully grown at eight weeks, ready to eat. Yeah. So when you think about it that way, you don't really need a lot of space with they the s- right breed.
1: They still had um, they still had plenty of room to move in there too. Um, mm. You'd walk out of a morning and they'd all be sitting in one corner asleep, and you think, "There's no way there's 19 birds there." Yeah. And then, <laughs> then they'd all get up and start walking around when You'd the be sun like, hit. Oh my them, god, and be the like, cages! Wow.
0: Yeah, and because the, they were so fat and big, yeah. so oh, the, really that was the next thing we're going to talk about is the uh, housing and space. Which handy helper you built me a lovely Joel Salatin house, didn't you? It, it
1: was it was based on Joel Salatin's design, yeah, um, but not as big uh, because we weren't going to do so many meat birds at a time is what was joel his, does
0: was his bigger
1: joel's was bigger in the
0: so for those that don't know i um bought a whole bunch of joel salatin books because i'm a little bit fangirl on him and um <laughs> just a little bit and the handy helper got a i think it was a christmas slash birthday present because your uh, birthday is christmas day yeah. um of um joel salatin designs so all of his designs for his chicken houses it's, his turkey houses and all that kind of stuff
1: it's the best book i've ever read to be honest it's, it's got so many things in it and Everything is in his book, uh, to cutting lists to everything. Yeah. He had um, everything, didn't he? Yeah. They're right I mean, down to the just, last screw and we shrunk it down by about a meter, I think. Yeah. To make it a bit easier for us to move around. Yep. Um and yeah, it was pretty straightforward.
0: So what are the dimensions of that one?
1: Uh, so it's three by three. Three meters three, by meters, three meters, three three by three square. Um, and how high? And it's about six hundred high.
0: Yeah, so um, not very high at all. Not very
1: high at all. They don't fly. They don't need the height. Yeah, they're more on the ground doing everything. So. And
0: I do remember we had goats. The goats thought it was a oh, yeah. great Tapping little castle. jumping castle. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: So um, we had to was... reinforce the top where the chicken wire was because <laughs> it was nearly touching the ground through the roof because the goats jumped all over it. The but, goats um,
0: discovered it and thought it was a um, lovely little jumpy castle for them to, yeah, to ride on when loved, we were trying um, to move it.
1: They love scaring the shit out of the chickens <laughs> by jumping on the roof of it. But uh, it was built three by three and it had a big, um, a big wire. Uh, rope type thing on the front of it, and you could actually drag it across the ground. Yeah,
0: and even though it's um, heavy, it's not so heavy that we couldn't drag it. Yeah, you can still
1: drag it. Like I, I could just,
0: drag it on my own. Yeah, yeah. Take
1: a little bit, but it, um, yeah. So you can move it along the ground. The bottom yeah. of the cage has no mesh in it, so they're straight on the grass. They're not. Yeah. So standing So they on chicken so wire. So they're
0: proper pasture raised on that. Yeah, they're system. on the grass all
1: the time, and um, you move them every two days. You probably move them. And
0: what was the tubing that you used for the feed pipe in the side?
1: Oh, just normal down pipe. Uh, that you use on the gutter of your house, the plastic downpipe. Yeah. Put a couple of bends in it and drilled a few holes through it with a hole saw. Yep. And that was the feeder. We had that inside yeah. and it stuck out through the roof so we could fill it.
0: So we could fill it from the yeah. outside from and the outside. they could access it from the inside and it had three holes in it so more than one bird could be at it at yep. one time.
1: It was and so simple.
0: And if our water thing, we wanted to change the water thing for next time. I'm still going to but, do
1: something different for that. But
0: we had a hanging waterer, didn't yeah, we?
1: we had a hanging waterer that we had to do the water in. You probably, with the amount of tooks that were in there, it would probably last for probably two or three days, depending yeah. on the weather. Yeah. Um, and it held probably about 10 and a half litres of water.
0: Yeah, um, so in, in summer, yeah, you'd be checking it every day well, Every day, day anyway. in summer you'd do it. But, but um, we did it through spring. It was the lead up to Christmas, Christmas so spring yeah. and then into summer. And we were checking it every day. Yep. But you could probably, you, I mean, you could definitely, Joel Salton does a system where he has a, like a bucket that feeds into a waterer and it sits on top of the whole house. Yes. So when you drag it along, the bucket of water stays with the house so it's got a lid on it. Yep. And he would just go along and, and check the buckets every day and top them up.
1: Yeah. Um, this was a trial and error thing for us. Yeah. So and it worked. Like, it, it worked. worked. Yeah, it <laughs> worked, worked a treat. <laughs> um, it's weird because you can do a design like that and do the water feeder and everything in it, and then you'll try something different and you'll go, oh, well, wow, that worked. Yeah. And then you'll look at it for a minute and scratch your head and go, no, that's not working. We'll yeah. do something different. <laughs> do and something that'll different. work. And you think, all right, now I know next time.
0: And also, too, I think we are the king and queen of recycling shit.
1: Oh I hoard shit like you
0: would have <laughs> We uh, are <laughs> we never buy anything new when we can source it secondhand. Yep. Um so I think the timber and the chicken wire and the corrugate that you use to go around the side. So half of the house has corrugate on the roof and around the side of it. For a bit of
1: bit of protection. And that's just
0: protection from the wind. So that's that's the side that we leave to the southwest here in Australia, but it'd be the northeast in um yep. in the States. Um, just to stop that really harsh sun and wind and everything. Yeah. Um. But um. Uh, we chi- had we the had that around. Wire, yeah.
1: The chicken wire. I found a roll of it in the paddock somewhere.
0: Yeah.
1: It was and, old um, second hand. And thought, yeah, I'll keep that for something. Yeah. Meat
0: hoard shit. Yep. Yeah. And I think the timber. You might have had to buy a couple of pieces, but most of it was second hand. The timber I had from the old farm. Oh, gunning, from the little farm. Yeah, uh,
1: from the little farm. And um, I'm a hoarder. I kept it.
0: Because <laughs> you knew you use it was, one day. It was
1: perfect three metre lengths of timber and about did 20 you, of them. Okay, so it.
0: did you buy the pipe? Did well, you buy the pipe for the feeder? Did you buy that? No, I found that too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we are the king and queen of recycling shit. So we certainly did not build these houses brand new. Um, and we wouldn't have because we're tight asses. <laughs> we, There's no point
1: in wasting the stuff yeah. you've got, you might as well use it, it
0: It's not for appearances. We don't need it to look beautiful. It's we just be need functional. it to be functional. And mm. so long as it can do that, then it can it's fine. So do you reckon that three by three meter, do you reckon somebody on a one acre block oh, would be able to put that be on? Perfect. Yeah. It'd what, be a perfect. Survive? What about a half acre?
1: I reckon you could do it on a half acre too.
0: Yeah. I if reckon. you wanted
1: to do it in a backyard or something like that, you um you probably wouldn't do 20 birds at a time in a backyard. No, no. With 10, you could probably bring that yard probably down to a 2 meter by 2 meter square.
0: Yeah, if you're only doing 10 at a time. Time. That's
1: plenty of room for them.
0: So, feeding and care, which is how we got them to where we got them in the eight weeks. Uh, So, meat birds um, start on chick starter, same as egg-laying birds. The difference is that meat birds grow so quickly and they just like they double in size literally every day. You go out there. And remember there were days we went out there, we'd go to pick them up, and you and I would look at each other and go, oh, my God, feel the weight in this bird. They went
1: from they went from, um, from day-old chicks to fully feathered in about two weeks. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so and that's they went from the heat room to in the paddock in two weeks from a chick. Three, it was three, three, three
0: weeks. Ago. Three weeks. So, so, so at the three-week mark, I took them off the yeah. chick starter. And put them onto um, grower pellets. Yeah, we did. We so you can actually pellets. buy grower pellets from the produce shop. Yep. And it's really high in protein yeah. and, and has lots of fat in it. So it's really good for them. I
1: think they're about a 20% protein. It's 20% protein, protein, bag. protein, I think, yeah. In them, yeah.
0: Um, so that's what we had the meat birds on. So they are on just normal Chick Starter for that two week period. Then between week two and week three, I transitioned them by giving them half mm. Chick Starter, half grower until they kind of were fine with that. Now, we didn't use... We used medicated chick starter, so they were on the medicated with the antibiotics in it for the first two weeks, but then they were off the antibiotics uh, from probably... Well, say by the end of week three, they were definitely off the antibiotics. Yeah. So... They reckon certainly the stuff I've read, the antibiotics get out of their system after about two to three weeks. So by the time we dispatch them, there would have been no antibiotics in their system from that Chick starter. But, but you uh, you absolutely can buy Chick starter yeah. without the antibiotics if you really want to avoid any kind of additives into your meat. Yeah,
1: they grow they grow out of it so quick, but it's um oh, it gives the- them a good jump start. Um, to get them going from, and, from when they're day-old chicks.
0: And certainly, but, and I've discussed it before on the yeah. podcast, um, You know, having the medicated chick starter, when you've got a large amount of birds in a small space, having the medicated chick you starter need is needed because yeah. it really does prevent all those nasty bugs that yeah. they can get get. And then they pass on to each other and then they all end up sick and you lose the whole lot. So that's why we've always done the medicated feed. But they went on to the grower, um, at three weeks, and they're out in the paddock at three weeks on grower and on pasture. So all we fed them was grower and pasture, and honestly, clean water, and they they eat grass. People say birds don't eat grass. Uh, so <laughs> <Boats>. <laughs> we 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 it. call that bullshit. <laughs> um, certainly, the ones we dispatched today, um, the creeps had grass in them still, yeah. um, which I'll discuss in a little bit. But yeah, and chickens eat grass but they also as we know they're omnivores so they will eat uh, bugs they'll eat grubs they'll eat um baby mice and rats if they find them in field mice so they
1: eat meat, oh, yeah, the
0: field mice you've seen what happens when field mice
1: oh yeah i just, yeah one will grab it. One took will grab it, and they run like buggery with it, so they don't have to share it with anyone else.
0: And then there's a big fight over. Yeah, who's then gonna... there's a rumble.
1: Usually the rooster gets it first, but he <laughs> does the bolt with
0: it. Yeah, but then he, if he smells nice, he tries oh, to nice, give it to he the shares, girls. Shares. yeah, he has which his favourite girl is. Yeah. Um, so, so that, and the reason that we give them the grower is because we want them to have that really balanced diet. But otherwise, they do get a lot off the pasture, and certainly, I feel like. The combination of being pasture raised and having the grower pellets, you know, it really the meat quality that we were getting was awesome. Um, it really was making them grow much quicker. Uh, but other than that, there's not what you have to do for meat birds because they get dispatched so quick. You don't have to look at worming schedules or vaccination schedules or things like that because... They're only alive for eight to ten weeks, yeah. tops.
1: Keep them happy. That's yeah. You do. yeah, so Keep long as they're,
0: they're on grass. And... I'm a
1: sucker for it. I go and talk to them. I sit on the grass and talk to them. Yeah. They're in the coop. Well, yeah, I'm, no, I'm nuts. Uh, but,
0: but we've discussed that. But they were it. Happy, you, know, you know, happy happy animals make happy meat.
1: Me, yeah, so, they were. They were, they were really good. They were sport rotten from day one. And uh, they, um, they were happy their whole life. Yeah. Up and, until the day of dispatch. They, and, I don't even think they made a noise when we dispatched them. So no, they, they weren't were were really squawky. Yeah, they were just happy. Yeah, um, yeah.
0: And certainly, you know, Joel Salatin talks about it. I think he's got um a book called The Pigginess of Pigs.
1: Pigs. Mm.
0: <laughs> and he discusses that, you know, animals that are raised in their natural environment who are allowed to do the things that is true to their nature. Mm. So chickens being allowed to roam on pasture and eat bugs and, you know, forage and dig in the soil and, and things like that. They're always going to be happier, stress-free birds, which means that the meat is always going to be better. Yeah, it's better. It's, it's going better. to be better quality. It doesn't yeah. have it doesn't have horrible stress hormones running through the meat uh, prior to being dispatched. So that means that the meat quality is just so much better. Um, so processing and this is the bit that freaks people out. Um, and and certainly on a lot of the Facebook pages that both the Handy Helper and I are on, we have a bit of a chuckle from time to time. There are so many people, and please, if you're one of those people, don't take this the wrong way. There are so many people who are not up to the challenge of dispatching animals. And if you're not up to dispatching animals, you know what? It's okay. It's fine. It's, you know, just do what you can and what you can't do. Don't beat yourself up about it. Um, If you want to get to a point where you're homesteading and feeding yourself, you know, 90% of the time out of your own backyard... Um, you're going to have to learn to dispatch animals. Uh, we've discussed it. At, I, I think I've got an episode about plant-based diets and how I dislike that push for people to go to a plant-based diet. Meat is the most nutritionally dense food that you can consume for human health. And uh, people can argue that point all they like, but the point is is that you will get way more nutrition out of meat than you will out of vegetables.
1: Feels feel so much better. You feel so much better eating it. I don't care what anyone says.
0: Yeah, and so so mm. from a homesteading perspective, if you want the most nutritionally dense food, so you don't want to waste food, you don't want to have to eat, you know, two kilos of bloody mung beans in order to get your iron level or whatever it is, <laughs> um, then the best thing you can do is include meat in your diet um, or animal-based protein, I should say, because eggs and milk can also be included. Um, but you need to... Look at doing animal-based proteins into your diet to make your diet more efficient. And certainly on my carnivore pages, I've seen people who literally live on two steaks a day and that's all they eat, which, you know, in the greater scheme of things, that's not a lot. Then the footprint for them is not huge when they're only eating two steaks a day and that's what they live on. Now, we like variety. So we like the idea of having, you know, our sourdough loaf that's in the oven at the moment and, um... You know, milk, cheese, eggs, things like that. But we have also got to the point where... Uh, And the Handy Helper, for him, when we dispatched our chickens, that was his first time dispatching animals on a large scale. How did you feel about it?
1: It was a bit funny at first, I'll admit that. But um, I think once uh, once I did it once, the first took was the hardest. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And I thought oh, I'm either going to take my finger off or I'm going to. I've got to crack it that anyway.
0: Um Handy helper tried to do that this morning.
1: Yeah, um, no stitches, Saint Cross. Yeah, yeah,
0: probably could close. do. Probably could do with gluing, yeah. but yeah.
1: Anyway, um, no, I just think the first uh, the first one was a big hurdle to jump for me. Yeah. Um, not coming from that. But once I did it, I thought, you yeah, know, this is pretty simple.
0: Yeah. It's, and we it's and quick we do,
1: and it does it's quick.
0: We use a very humane going, system too. So we do. For, for people that, you know, maybe grew up on a farm or had grandparents or uncles or aunties that were on a farm, you know, it used to be the real horror story that you'd go to visit the person on the farm and they'd say, Oh, we're gonna kill a chook. And they'd get the chook out and handy help us stare at it because he knows what my mum and dad are like. Um, And dad would put the chook, he'd get us to hold it on the chopping block and we'd be holding it the whole time, terrified that we're going to lose fingers. So you'd be holding it with your, your fingers bent in towards the chicken thinking, please don't take my finger off. And Dad would get an axe and he'd chop the chicken's head off and mm. blood would go everywhere and the chicken would be running around, like not running around, but it would be writhing around and then flop around yeah, on just the ground.
1: Despite what people think, yeah, yeah it does not run around it with their heads on. It doesn't
0: run, run, run around. It no. it'll move and blood'll go everywhere. And and certainly if it's if you put it on its feet, it will keep moving. Uh but yeah, it was still messy and it was it was messy and horrible and I felt very Oh, I don't know. It just didn't work. Right. It wasn't the most efficient system. So what we use is a kill cone, which is an aluminium cone uh, that is attached to a wall at a really good height for the handy helper, and he feeds the chicken into it. Like hangs it upside down because you know they they go a bit dopey and a bit sleepy. Hangs it upside down, feeds it through so that just the head and neck are sticking out the bottom of the cone. Now you don't need to buy one of these cones. Um, I'll put a link in, in there. Yeah, well, and look, we've seen people use a bucket by cutting it and just turning it in on itself to yeah, make a tight it end to make
1: a tight cone. I think yeah. that was how we did our first one. I think
0: it was how we did yeah. the first one, and then we then we got the kilcone. So, yeah. uh, but but I'll put a link the, in there.
1: I found the kilcone. Yeah, cone. Another, I didn't buy it. I another, found it.
0: Another secondhand item yeah. for us. Didn't know uh, what the hell it
1: was until I picked it up, and then <laughs> yeah. I went, "Holy oh, shit! I know what, I this, know is. what this is."
0: <laughs> so we do that, and we drain them over a bucket that we use to collect all the waste. And then after we've done that, then we blanch them in hot water, and it's got to be hot soapy water.
1: Hot soapy It sits at about one hundred and fifty degrees, like Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit. Wear a a glove because it's as hot as buggery when you dunk your hand in it. But yeah, yeah, submerge them in it with a little bit of soap powder. The detergent or the soap. Helps the feathers come out easier.
0: Yeah, and we um, we don't know how it the
1: of the skin up or it does something well, to it. It's really and weird, we, and
0: we don't really know how it works, but yeah. we know it does work because when we uh when we after we've done a couple of birds, if we don't add some more soap powder, They're the feathers the feathers start being a bit more tricky to get out. Uh, so we blanch it in the hot water, and um and then we uh, spin it in a design that the handy helper made, which you can see if you go to our TikTok Mojo Homestead account. Um, where it's a washing machine tub with little rubber fingers that we bought from Amazon. Mm -hmm. One of the few things we have bought, the rubber fingers. We had to buy them. them Couldn't (laughs) get them secondhand. Um, And and it's got a cement mixer motor, which is secondhand, um, attached to it with a belt, and it turns it. And we drop the chicken in there, cold water hose. The rubber fingers, because they're rubbery, they they cling to the feathers and pull the feathers out as the bird Mm -hmm. spins around in there. It takes it look, about a minute. It looks savage, but it's not savage, is it?
1: Oh, it is if you stick your hand in it sometimes. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, but, you know.
0: That's but it's silly. it's
1: not savage, no. no. It's, it doesn't, it doesn't even rip bru- the skin. It doesn't bruise the meat. Doesn't, no, it doesn't It doesn't do anything skin. like that. It takes yeah. about a minute from when you drop a fully feathered bird into it coming out Yeah. Um, naked.
0: And anybody yeah. that's plucked <laughs> a bird um, will know hand plucking fucking sucks balls.
1: It's the worst job. I wouldn't hand pluck them.
0: No, well, you've never no, had to. I, I have had to. They often go somewhere. That day. It's shit. I it's be shit. In that. No. It's not recommended. So having and and you, look, you can buy one of these pluckers. Um, They're not pluckers. cheap. They're not cheap to They're buy. Cheap to buy. Um, um, in America, I know there's lots of places that hire them, which I think is awesome yeah. because realistically, you only need them, you know, once every ten weeks, kind of thing. I actually so, found,
1: uh, I found the one very similar to the one that I built um, on YouTube. Yeah, a guy built one yeah, on YouTube, one on and YouTube. I looked at it and yeah. thought, "Holy crap! I've That's got that. Junk. <laughs> I've got that junk line around here. I could build that."
0: And certainly, look if we get to a point where we were doing meat birds, yeah, consistently through I'll spring and buy summer, a one. we I'll would buy probably a buy one. a bigger one because at the yeah. moment we can only put one bird in this one, because of the bird, the size of the bird, it's just too big. So um, realistically, I've watched Joel Salatin do it with some very commercial equipment, and he has a plunger that that turns the birds into hot oh, yeah. water. He's got all the shit. And then he gets them <laughs> out and then he, gets about, he puts two or three birds into a into um, oh, a tumbler, into at, the a tumbler at the same time and they all come out completely plucked. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. And if you're doing it commercially or if you're doing it, you know, on not just a scale for providing food for your own household, you probably would go to that trouble. Yeah. But we haven't. But the things that you probably need to consider having if we go through them are the kill cone like we said you could you can make one kill
1: cone, yeah. you could
0: make one out of a bucket yes. you just need something that's cone shaped and big enough to hold the birds
1: yeah
0: knives now what did we have the issue with this morning handy helper
1: oh I might as well have been trying to bloody cut a chicken up with a broken brick fair ink and the knives were that <laughs> buggered they were so blunt this morning i don't know what the hell's gone on it's like someone's been out chopping firewood with the bloody knife Fair and these inkling. are our
0: good knives that we keep away from the kids.
1: I don't know but what the hell happened with them this morning. I think, I think just... because
0: the last time we used them, I think we just used them and we didn't bother doing any sharpening afterwards. We didn't edge afterwards.
1: back on them or anything and they went as dull as crap.
0: Yeah, so, so, it
1: was, um... <laughs> so we had a little
0: bit of an issue this morning. Um... Yeah,
1: there was a few words said. That's for sure. <laughs> anyway...
0: Try not. Because yeah. the really important thing is when you've got that chicken in the kill cone, the really important thing is to be able to slice super quick and super clean. Now, I sharpened up my boning knife for you to use as a kill knife, didn't yep. I? Because yep. your kill knife was so blunt. My kill knife was so, dead. So, so <laughs> Shane was having some problems with our um, plucker and he was working on that. While he was working on that, I was madly sharpening my boning knife um, and I gave it to him to use to uh, do the kills with. And what happened to your hand, handy helper?
1: I put my hand too close, didn't I? <laughs> and uh, the tip of the knife got my hand and went straight down through the top of my hand. Yeah, and, and so uh, I didn't know where the blood was coming from, whether it was coming from <laughs> a chuck or coming tickle. from me. <laughs> But, uh, and yeah, I opened my hand up nicely.
0: Realistically, the handy helper probably could have done with a couple of stitches in there. Um, uh, looking at it now, it seems to have come together pretty well, but he could probably still do with a bit of glue over it to hold it together. Yeah, um, right. But, yeah, we'll just have to keep taping it until it starts to mend in a bit saying,
1: more. In saying that, the knife was super sharp, wasn't it? Because
0: oh, what, happened, next, what happened a couple of birds later? The
1: next chicken I went to slice its, uh, <laughs> slice its neck and took its whole head clean off. <laughs>
0: Which we don't normally... In one, in one swoop,
1: <laughs> gone. We don't,
0: we don't normally take the whole head off in one go. We normally just cut through enough to, to drain all the blood out of the bird. Yeah. Um, but there's no harm in taking the whole head it off. There's no reason sharp. not yeah, to. It
1: just took the whole head off. Yeah,
0: yeah, and it was just, yep, okay, that's definitely sharp. I yep. definitely uh, hit it but, enough with the stone.
1: Yeah, in, in saying that, it was a, a rooster that I disliked anyway. No. But... Oh,
0: there was one that used to get out and it used to attack us every time we walked past yeah. it. Uh, so, so there was no love lost for no the lost. handy helper when he took its head off. No. Um, anyway, so, so we have very sharp knives. They're an absolute must. Your kill cone is very handy. A yep. scrap black bucket for blood and, and guts and a waste. Couple, couple of a buckets. couple of buckets. It's always a good idea to have a couple of buckets. Yep. So, then the next thing you'd need would be a pot um, over decent. a gas dome.
1: I think that one of ours is about 10-9 or 10 litre, that one. Oh, no,
0: I think that's a 20-litre. Oh, that's the 20... one I used to use for canning
1: i think it might be 20 litre yeah it's a 20 litre one yeah and i i actually use it this is ridiculous because i don't want to go and buy a gas burner Mm. but uh on the end of my old barbecue that i have had a wok burner yeah and i sit it on the edge of the barbecue so it's up high and it's on a wok burner yeah and and we just and it gets it hot it gets it to uh, well over 150 fahrenheit so we
0: we heat it up and then turn it off and then heat it up again turned off and we're just constantly monitoring it and i've got an old um Uh, A candy thermometer that you get from the cake shops Mm. for cooking candy. So it's suitable for super high temperatures and it's quite sturdy. And we clip that to the side of the tub just so that we can keep an eye on the temperature. And dish soap, obviously, to break the surface of the water just so it gets into the feathers to get them out. And then the next big thing that you have is your de-plucker. Now, you can de-pluck by hand, certainly, if it's your first time, you know, have a go. If you're only doing two or three
1: birds or something...
0: Yeah, by hand would be easier. It wouldn't be,
1: it wouldn't yeah. be much of a hassle. But,
0: but if you were um, doing more than that, uh, you yeah. definitely want to look at a plucker. And you, like I say, in the States, hire one. Oh my yeah. God, hire a professional, a commercial one. If you get
1: the temperature right when you're dunking, um, you know, because you dunk them two or three times, you just pull them, put them in for five, five, ten minutes, seconds, lift them out, have a feel, put them in again. we probably can get do them, it about 20 them, seconds. Yeah, about up. 20 seconds all up. But um, you get to that point where you'll just grab a tuft of feathers and they'll fall out in your hand. And you know they're you know that it's ready. It's spot on, it's yeah. ready. It's ready to go.
0: So and when we put it into the deplucker, plucker, we spray cold water on it. And the reason for that is it just helps those feathers to really grip onto those rubber fingers mm. and pull out and it stops the skin from getting too kind of, you know, delicate and torn, I guess. Yeah. Um, when the
1: when the skin's hot, after you've dunked it. It's you don't know, you know the being cooked either yeah, by dunking it yeah, yeah. in the water too But much, it's more
0: likely but, to tear when the skin's yeah, hot, isn't it? it'll tear yeah. instead
1: of just plucking the feather.
0: So, and then once that's done, then it comes over to me on the disassembly line, um, which is what we call it, and I have a very big um, chopping board that is like, it's like an old fish chopping board, like off an esky, isn't it?
1: It, it is actually I think the it divider is. out of my big Oh, is it? Esky. Yeah, yeah, but I think people use board. it for chopping, it chopping for like board. when you go
0: fishing and yeah. shit like that. So it's quite big and flat. Mm -hmm. And I can give it a good wash down and sterilise it with hot water and all that kind of stuff. And I've got a boning knife that I use. And I go through and I um, take out all the innards out of it. I take uh, the head off, the feet off. Um, I take the gland out of the back tail feather um, because I've been told that it it kind of taints the flavour of the meat. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe one day I'll eat them with it on and see what happens. There's
1: two in there that, in there there that I think on. I
0: left them on just to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but So you need a very sharp knife and a very clean cutting area. And and also what helps with that is having a spray hose. So a hose fitting with a garden kind of hose yeah, end on it. Uh, with
1: a figure. trigger.
0: And you can just rinse down as you go uh, because you get blood and guts everywhere. And every now and then you'll break you know, a stomach open or a croup open or something like that and shit everywhere. And <laughs> it's just nice to be able to rinse it straight off so that the bird stays nice and clean. Then the last thing you need is a big esky that's full of super cold water. Now, you can, if you're in a very hot climate, chuck a few ice cubes in there. If it's not so hot, just just cold tap water is going to be fine. And you just want to leave them in there to rest. Now... If we had a cool room, we would be hanging them. We don't yet have a cool room, so we can't hang them up. But that would be ideal to be able to rinse them off and then just hang them up in a cool room. Mm. Uh, but at the moment, we just use the Esky system. And then once we're uh, ready for them to come out of the Esky, they go out of the Esky into a bag and they go into the freezer. And um, and we just freeze them straight up and then just get them out as needed. Um, We've got to keep a couple out because the Handy helper's going to cook tomorrow. He's going to cook up a couple of um, chickens for... Uh, just stripping the meat off so that we can use them for casseroles and risottos and pastas and things like that um but that's pretty much it isn't it yep. and so and then simple. there's oh and we we also both wear we've got heavy duty butchering aprons that we wear and gum boots because it is a messy job you get water all over you you get chicken guts all over you you get feathers all over you you get blood all over you it's you know what's what's the My hot tip that I always say when we're doing it if you feel something on your lip, if you
1: feel something splash on your face, don't don't lick it
0: (laughs) because you will end up with some shit somewhere on your face. Literally shit. Literally shit on your face or blood or guts or, yeah. Uh, but don't lick it, wipe it. Don't ever wipe a lick your it. lips. <laughs> don't ever don't lick have your have lips lick when your dispatching always chickens. Always have some
1: paper towel around somewhere where you can yeah, just, just wipe just your Yeah, just
0: in face. case. Um, but, yeah, protective gear over your clothes. Wear old clothes too that you can that you don't care if it gets chicken guts and blood and shit on. Uh, but that's the way that we process them. And we certainly think that that's a really humane way of doing it. Um, the chickens are are really well cared for. We're not a religious family. Um, but but we're very appreciative of the fact that our animals provide our food, um, and we're well aware of that, you know. Um, so we certainly use all of the chicken. Um, so we keep the hearts and the livers out for the dogs. The dogs eat those because I'm not a fan of eating chicken liver. Um, I don't mind pate, but I'm not huge on making it up. The hearts go to the t- go to the dogs. The necks come off and they go to the dogs. Uh, The feet, we don't cook them up. I know a lot of people do, we don't. Um, One day we might get to that point where we, I don't know, freeze dry them or something, feed them to the dogs. I'm sure they'd like them. Um, uh, And so all of the guts, all of the innards, feathers, blood, all gets composted into the ground. The handy helper digs a massive big hole and buries it. And it has to be a deep hole because you will get predators. Um, For us, it's foxes here in Australia. But if you've got other predators, they will come in for the smell because the smell is amazing to them. (laughs) Mm. Um, But we then cook them up. Now, I don't don't cut up the chickens. I'm a terrible butcher in that sense of the word. So we cook them whole in a a slow cooker, in in the slow cooker, or um, boil them in a pot, literally. Um, And then we can use the stock out of it if we want to as chicken stock. But also, too, then we can strip the meat off them. Or we cook them as a whole bird in the oven, um, as a baked chicken. Um, but I'm I'm terrible at butchering them up. I tried to watch a guy do the breast meat. Remember that guy? That was he was amazing.
1: Yeah, he knew what he was doing. He did sure. cut
0: them up into perfect Marylands and wings and breasts and and I tried doing it and I reckon I butchered the fuck out of it. He, it was... um... <laughs>
1: He completely deboned a chicken in about 14 seconds. It was insane how quickly did it. It was insane. I've never seen anyone do it before. Yeah,
0: so I certainly don't do that, but we do try and use as much of it as we can. Uh, And so um, obviously if we um, um, uh, de-chicken, like pull all the chicken meat off and we end up with a carcass left, then I'll use that to make stock as well if I've got time. Um, Now, the things that you're going to need to worry about with that with doing this. If you're in an urban environment, we talked about it before, didn't we? Neighbours are probably going to be your biggest issue. Yeah? Yep. Yeah. And it look, it may come down to people just not understanding what you're doing and not understanding that you're trying to reduce your food footprint. I mean, you know, who wants to buy an avocado from, you know, Queensland to come down to Victoria, which, you know, is how many, how many kilometres would it be from... <sighs> huh? 2,000. 2,000 Ks. um, When you can have a chicken that you raise in your backyard and you have to walk a hole of five metres to process it and put it in the freezer. Um, Food footprint-wise. People don't
1: understand that um, when chickens and that go through massive big processing plants and bits and pieces, it's not fresh.
0: You've seen it, haven't you? It's not fresh. (laughs) Remember we watched...
1: they, They don't come off the farm straight into the supermarket <laughs> that's for sure they sit for a fair while before you but see but also
0: to remember that documentary we watched about the chickens oh, yeah. and wow and what's i think joel sellaton refers to it as a fecal bath
1: a fecal bath, but yep. when
0: we watched it, it was pretty close to that, wasn't it? It
1: was. Uh, it was. They disgusting. bleached really the was. meat
0: in order to get rid of any bacteria. Yeah, cause... they use
1: um, uh, bleach and chlorine to get yeah, rid of the bacteria, yeah. and that's why chicken's so white. Yeah, because <laughs> normal chicken, normal, normal chickens chicken doesn't look, look like that. that.
0: <laughs> um. So so you might have problems with neighbours who don't understand what you're trying to do, and I guess the best thing you can do there is communicate. Um. You know, give them a chicken. Raise them and give them a chicken. Yeah, give them a chicken a try. Um, certainly, I think they, that would certainly bring most people around. Um, the other issue you'll have would be the same kind of issues that you'd have with neighbours with keeping backyard chickens. They worry about pests, mice coming in for the chicken feed or, you know, more birds coming because birds are chasing the seed. So you still have to address all, all those issues that you would have to address if you had backyard chickens for egg laying as well. Um, and, you know, most neighbours, I think in the past... We haven't had that much of an issue, but certainly anybody that had a problem with our birds, we just give them a carton of eggs. I think once they've yeah, had a carton of eggs, big. they <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nobody has any problems. Especially carton eggs um, that
1: have been laid that day. Yeah, right <laughs>
0: that's pretty special. Right. Uh, but certainly for us, the main thing for us in raising our own meat is to reduce our food footprint. Um, when we can raise all of our food on the farm here that <laughs> we then eat, we know that we're doing our bit because, you know, neither of us are massive climate change believers, but one thing that we do know is is that pollution definitely impacts the environment.
1: Yeah. And
0: the transport industry, despite the fact that the Handy Helper once upon a time worked for the transport industry.
1: Yeah,
0: uh-huh. Um, he knows that, um, you know, the amount of fossil fuels that go into moving food for people, mm. a thousand, two thousand, you know, sometimes from one continent to another uh moving food that kind of distance is always going to add to that pollution issue that's going to cause environmental dramas down the track so being able to raise things so close to where we are consuming them is always going to be a benefit to us now you know as i said before some people struggle with the idea of having to kill their own birds if if that's you by all means don't do it don't put yourself into a stressful situation that you know you're not ready for.
1: Or well, chooks for eggs then.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, but but if you're the kind of person that might be interested, um, make sure you follow us on Mojo Homestead on the socials um, because we do post things from time to time about what we're doing with dispatching our own animals. Now, we can't post everything because some of the social media channels don't yeah, like no, it. they don't like it. They, <laughs> they don't, don't like, like oh, it. I'm sorry,
1: they don't like the truth.
0: Yeah, don't the truth the truth. Yeah, because yeah. that might be a bit confronting for some people. Hmm. Um, but certainly, part of homesteading for us is that we will be dispatching our own animals—not just chickens, but you know, we we have goats that we'll use for meat. We've got cows that we're raising now for meat. Um, at some point, I want to put fish in our dam. Yep. Uh, which I'm sure the handy helper, being a, a ex surfy dude, uh, will probably want to go and fish out of the dam. And we'll have no problem dispatching fish for dinner. Mm -hmm. Um, So that kind of thing. But also too, the Handy Helper and I are both um, looking at getting firearms licences so that we can hunt um, animals that are on our property. So we can dispatch kangaroos. We have deer at the back of our property.
1: Pigs, Um, wild pigs. There are wild
0: pigs. Um, So we'll be dispatching those kind of animals as well, not just animals that we've hand raised here. Um, now, I will put a link in for some of those um, Joel Salatin books. I certainly recommend his books as far as if you're looking at raising meat birds. He has a couple of really good books on raising meat birds.
1: He does. Um, his books are, his uh, books are awesome.
0: Yeah, they're just, he covers often so much more than, like, he, his he was. Books,
1: his books are like. Uh, the yellow books that everyone knows. uh, Oh, the Dummies. Farming Farming for Dummies.
0: Dummies.
1: (laughs) His books are so good and they're so well explained. You can't go wrong. You really can't. So
0: it's certainly, if you're looking for more information and you want it in book form, I would highly recommend going and looking out Joel Salison's. There's also Richard, I can never remember his surname, but he lives in Sweden. He's an English guy, lives in Sweden, and he dispatches a million chickens at a time and has a really good setup he's got the setup i want it's beautiful it's got like a big cool room that he hangs all his chickens and stuff like that (laughs) handy helper we'll put it on your list for later yeah Uh, another thing for your list my list looks like a telephone book it's that thing it is anyway um hopefully that has um given you some ideas about whether or not you'd be able to raise meat birds um in your own backyard for yourself and certainly you know i mean you wait next time you're getting chickens. If you're getting them from a hatchery, get a couple of meat birds thrown in, raise them as well, and see how you go. You can hand pluck, it's not like hand plucking is the end of the no. world. So, don't let the machinery put you off um, if you don't have access to it. Um, and certainly have a crack at it and let me know
1: Chick- if you chickens are great, they're the best little dinosaurs ever. They, really they are, aren't they? Yeah. We love I our dinosaurs, yeah, they're great.
0: Anyway, guys, that is it for us this week. Uh, I will talk to you all next week. Don't forget our course is coming up in November. So if you're keen to keep your own backyard chickens for egg production and in that course, we'll also discuss some meat production stuff. But if you're keen for eggs, um, certainly that's what that course is geared towards is backyard chickens for egg keeping. Uh, So make sure you get on the wait list. Anyway, thanks for coming, Handy Helper.
1: I didn't have to go far. It's all good.
0: I know. (laughs) It makes life really easy. Um, all right, guys, we will uh, speak to you next week. Bye for now. See you later. Bye. Thanks so much for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed our time together. If you did, I'd be so grateful if you left me a review. I would also absolutely love it if you tagged me in the next post on your favourite socials at either Not the Farmer's Wife or Mojo Homestead. And don't forget to get your free guide to backyard chicken keeping at www.mojohomestead.net backslash seven must knows and remember grow the life you want to live see ya